All right, well, if you have your Bibles with you, let me encourage you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, chapter number 9. And I had mentioned to the kids, I had talked about Isaiah, I had mentioned briefly Isaiah, the fact that he was one of the many prophets that pointed forward to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ didn't just appear on the scene and everybody was surprised. Rather, hundreds of years before he came, there were very precise details and prophecies that were made that were foretold. Uh, again, in this case, before us here in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, uh, more than 700 years before this came to pass. Now, again, statistically, again, that is impossible for all these things to be fulfilled unless it is a divine miracle of God. And the fact that all these prophecies were fulfilled, not just in the birth of Christ, but even in the life of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, and so many more prophecies to be fulfilled in the second coming of Christ, again, it points to the fact that that is a miracle of God. That is one of the greatest proofs of the divine inspiration of the Word of God is the fact, is, is the fact of prophecy. You know, hundreds of prophecies. Uh, just regarding many things, but again, focusing in on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we come here to the prophet Isaiah, chapter number 9, verse number 6. And we've been learning this verse as a church over the past couple of weeks. We've been trying to memorize this together. And I want to focus in on this prophecy given some 700 years before the Messiah came into the world. And we find here that there are certain characteristics of the Messiah that are described Again, regarding his character, regarding who he is, and also regarding why he came into the world. So I want to read here just this one verse. The Bible says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince Peace. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, Lord, and we pray for your blessing upon the teaching and preaching of your word. We do ask, Lord, that you would just, uh, Lord, I, I do ask, Lord, that you would use me, Father, as your vessel, uh, Lord, just to faithfully preach and exposit your word. Uh, Lord, I pray you'd give me clarity in my thought and in my words, Lord, and I pray that you would be honored in the preaching. God, I do pray that you would speak to hearts tonight. I pray, God, that the Spirit of God would work in hearts, would work in lives. Lord, I pray for anyone here tonight who does who has never received Christ as their Lord and Savior. God, I pray that tonight would be the night of their salvation. Lord, I pray for believers here tonight. God, I pray that you would encourage them. Lord, I pray that you would edify them. I pray that you would build them up, Lord, with the truth of your word. Lord, that you may receive glory from our lives as we apply it uh, to our lives. Lord, just bless the teaching of your word at this time, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Like I said earlier, God spoke through Isaiah. God spoke through many other prophets as well. But we find here that God gave this prophecy to Isaiah hundreds of years before the Messiah would come into the world. Speaking of a child that would be born. Speaking of a son that would be given. And from our vantage point, we understand who this is speaking of. We understand that this is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, but from Isaiah's vantage point, again, this is still many hundreds of years before this would be fulfilled. But we find here a glorious prophecy regard, regarding the Lord Jesus Christ, regarding God with us, Emmanuel, the one who has prophesied to come again hundreds of years before he came. And this one who would come would be one of a kind. 
He would be unlike any other. This would be perfect God and perfect man in one person. This would be the word made flesh. This would be deity clothed in humanity. This would be the Lord Jesus Christ. This would be the savior of the world. This would be the hope of the nations. This would be the prophesied Messiah who would come so that we might have life through the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we examine this verse before us, we see a description of who he is and why he came into this world. So consider with me tonight a couple of things. First of all, consider the fact that he is wonderful. He is wonderful. The Bible says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And notice here, the Bible says, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Now, that name there that is given to the Messiah, that is given to Jesus, literally means a marvelous thing. Something or someone to marvel at. A miracle. And truly, as you look at the life of Christ, you see that this truly is a miracle of God. God stepping into time. God stepping into, again, into a human body to come and live among us, to come and live the life we couldn't live, and to die the death as the perfect Lamb of God that we deserved to die because of our sins. You consider the life of Christ. You consider the fulfillment of prophecy that was fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ, and it is something to wonder at. You look at the life of Jesus Christ. You look at the miracles he performed. You look at the sick people that he healed. You look at the demons that he cast out of people. You look at his authority over nature, his authority over disease, his authority over death, and you marvel and you wonder at this person. You consider the death of Jesus Christ, the fact that he is the Lamb of God. Again, the Lamb of God who came into this world in order to pay the penalty for our sins against God. And truly, that is wonderful. But not only that, three days later, he rose triumphantly from the grave. Death could not hold our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is a wonderful thing. And you consider the fact that he is coming back one day. And for the believer, that is what the Bible refers to as a blessed hope. That is the blessed hope of the believer in Christ. That Jesus not only came the first time, but just as surely as he came the first time in fulfillment of prophecy. So he is coming a second time also in fulfillment of prophecy. And we again, we, we cry out ever again, ever so come Lord Jesus. You see, when you truly get a glimpse of who Jesus is, you can't help but wonder at him. You can't help but marvel at him. When you experience the saving grace of God, you can't help but wonder at him. As a believer, as you experience the sustaining grace of God in your life, you see his provision. You see his protection. You see his watch care within your life. You can't help but wonder at the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when you truly know Christ, when you talk about him, when you sing about him, when you hear about him, it should not bore you. It should excite you. When you hear about your Lord, when you hear about your Savior, when you hear about your Redeemer. And maybe you you come to this time of year and maybe you say, again, well, I once had that wonder, but I've lost that wonder. I've lost that sense of awe whenever it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And maybe going into this new year, you need to ask God to rekindle your wonder again and, and, and you're, you're marveling over the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see, first of all, Jesus is wonderful. Secondly, we see he is the counselor. We wonder at his person. We, we wonder at who he is. But we also recognize that Jesus is the fullness of wisdom. The Bible describes him in 1 Corinthians 1.24 as the wisdom of God. Consider what, consider what Paul said in Romans 11.34. The Apostle Paul said this. He said, For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor? God does not come to us to receive counsel. Because within the Godhead, you have the fullness of wisdom. You have the fullness of knowledge. All right? Nobody has been the Lord's counselor. So we stand in awe of who Jesus is, but we also respond to him by following his perfect wisdom. He is the great counselor. He is the counselor of counselors. You know, there's a lot of voices you're going to hear in the world around you. There's a lot of counsel that you will hear, and most of it, sadly, is bad counsel. People telling you this and people telling you that, people telling you uh, to do this or not do that. And much of the counsel you will receive in the world is not wise counsel. It is counsel that will not lead you to the truth, but rather counsel that will lead you away from the truth. But as we tune our ears into the voice of Jesus Christ, as he has spoken to us through his word, he brings clarity to us in a world of lies. He enlightens our path in a world of of darkness. See, Jesus is the fullness of wisdom. Following the counsel of Christ as found in his word has never led anybody astray. And maybe you say, again, I come here tonight and I am wandering through life again, and I am directionless and I am purposeless and I am going down one wrong path after another wrong path. And I have been deceived by this person and I have been deceived by that person. Recognize tonight that there is one person that you can trust his word every single time. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the counselor. Maybe it's time to close your ears to the lies of the world and tune your ears to the truth and wisdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the counselor. Not only that, we understand, again, we we stand in awe because he is wonderful. We tune our ears to the perfect wisdom that is found in Jesus Christ. But also we find here that he is the mighty God. We recognize his power. We recognize his deity. We recognize that he truly is the mighty God. He is the one to whom all power and all authority has been given. He is the omnipotent God. He is the one who made all things. According to John 1, the Bible describes the fact that Jesus, again, was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And the Bible goes on to explain that he made all things. He created every single thing out of nothing. Again, he spoke it into existence. That is power. That is might that we see in the Lord Jesus Christ. We also understand that it is Jesus Christ who upholds all things by the power of his word. He is the reason why, again, the whole universe stays in orbit like he does because he is sustaining everything. He is sustaining your very life tonight. The the very reason, again, you continue breathing is because Christ God is sustaining 
you at this moment. He is sustaining your life. We also understand that he is the one who displayed his power over death. Jesus made it clear, no man takes my life from me, again, again, but I lay it down of myself. Nobody took the life of Jesus. Jesus laid down his life uh, intentionally. That was part of God's plan. Jesus laid down his life willingly for us. But not only did he willingly lay down his life, but he also raised himself from the grave. We see the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see his power over death. We see his power over the grave. But he is also the one who is coming back in majesty and power. He is the one who is coming back, again, to put down sin, again, and to judge sin in the world. And he's the only one who has the power to redeem a lost soul. He is the only one who has power to forgive sins. He is the only one who has power and authority, again, to, uh, to, to cleanse you and, uh, of your sins and to reconcile you to a holy God. Again, we see his power. We also see that he is God. There's many cults out there that may deny the deity of Christ, but scripture is clear that Jesus is God. 1 Timothy 3.16 says this, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. So we see Jesus is truly the mighty God. We also recognize that Jesus is referred to here as the everlasting Father. And this speaks here of his eternality and also of his, his, his fatherly care for his children. We understand that Jesus is the eternal God. He is without beginning. He is without ending. Again, there has never been a time where Jesus did not exist. He has always existed. He simply stepped into humanity as he came into this world some 2,000 years ago. But Jesus, that was not the beginning of Christ. Jesus has existed from eternity past, and he will exist to eternity future. I'm not going to go in depth with this tonight, but we understand here that Isaiah is not saying that Jesus, who is the second person of the Trinity, is God the Father. All right, the Bible clearly teaches a Trinitarian Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One in essence, one God distinct in person, three persons. All right, so the title Everlasting Father has nothing to do with the placement of Christ within the Godhead or within the Trinity, but rather it speaks to his character. It speaks to how he cares for us, how he cares for his children. We, we see he, he has a fatherliness towards us, and he just as a good father protects his children, so Christ protects his children. Just as a good father protect, or loves his, his child, so does Jesus in a fatherly way love his children. So we see he is the everlasting father. And then lastly, we also see he is the prince of peace. You see, Jesus is coming back to establish peace, but Jesus also came the first time to establish peace. But you have to understand the difference between the first coming and the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not going to deal in depth tonight with the second coming of Christ. But the first coming of Christ, again, Jesus came to bring peace. And you may wonder, again, well, I look at the world around me. I see chaos and I see conflict and I see wars and I see fighting and I see divisions. And again, I see all this, again, all this hostility and all this hatred. So did he succeed? 
You have to understand that the peace that Jesus brought the first time was peace between men and God. Peace between mankind and God. You see, the Bible makes it clear that in our natural state, the state that we are born in, we are not at peace with God. We are what the Bible describes as we are at enmity with God. We are in a, in a state of hostility with God. Our sin separates us from God. Jesus came to reconcile sinful man to a holy God. Jesus came to bridge the gap to be the mediator between sinful man and holy God. So we see here that that is the peace that Jesus came to bring the first time that he came. Colossians 1 verses 20 through 21, the Bible says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you, speaking to believers here, that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. So we see here that Jesus came, why? To make peace through the blood of his cross. You know, I was once alienated from God because of my sin. I was once separated from God because of my sin. Again, and if you're here tonight and, you, and you're saved, you, uh, you have the same testimony. There was a time in your life when you were alienated from God. You were separated from God. Again, you were at war with God, but Jesus came to bring peace. Romans 5.1, the Bible says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So peace with God begins when a person places their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. When a person comes to Christ and they receive him as their Lord and Savior. You know, and if you're here this evening and you've never had a time in your life when you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. When you have repented and believed the gospel, I would invite you to do so tonight. I would invite you to call upon Christ. I would invite you to be reconciled to your creator. Jesus has bridged the gap. Jesus offers mercy. Jesus offers life. He offers grace to anyone who will come and receive the free gift of his mercy, who will receive the free gift of his, of his offer of salvation. The Bible makes it clear that before a person is saved, they are alienated from God. They are, they are at enmity with God. They are under the wrath of God. We are not born at peace with God. But the way to be at peace with God is by is through repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5, verses 8 through 10, the Bible says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. There's an old chorus, a Christmas carol, that says these words. It says, when men repent and turn from sin, the Prince of Peace then enters in, and grace imparts within their hearts his peace on earth, goodwill to men. So we zoom out. You know, we, we look at this verse as a whole. And there's many other directions we could go with this. But we see here, uh, again, a, a description of who the Lord Jesus is, of who the Messiah is. And not just who he is, but also why he came into the world. 
as we consider Christ, as we consider the Messiah tonight, we recognize, number one, that he is truly wonderful. And do you wonder at Christ? Do you stand in awe of who he is? Secondly, we recognize that he is our counselor. Whose voice are you listening to? In a world of lies, the word of God provides clarity and it provides truth to guide you and lead you from going astray. Do you heed his word? We recognize tonight that he is the mighty God. Do you recognize his power and his authority? You see, he is Lord and he is God. And there must come a point in your life when you bow your knee to Christ and you recognize that he truly is God. Also, we see he is the everlasting father. And if you're a child of God, have you have you thanked him recently for his fatherly care within your life, for providing for you and, and watching over you and caring for you? And then lastly, we find tonight he is the prince of peace. And I ask you tonight, do you have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ? Can you have peace with God? And that is the greatest thing you could have tonight. That is the greatest gift that we could really focus on at Christmas time is this, this gift of peace. Peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, Lord, and God, we thank you for this truth before us. And God, we thank you for such a clear, uh, Lord, just prophecy uh, that, is, that is speaking of the Messiah hundreds of years before he came. And Lord, I do pray, God, that at this time you would just work in hearts and work in lives. God, I pray for anyone here tonight or who may not have peace with God. Or maybe they are running from you, going the opposite direction, Lord. Maybe there's never been a time when they have repented and placed their faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone. God, I pray that tonight, this Christmas Eve, Lord, that they would, Lord, just repent and turn to you and find salvation and find eternal life through Christ. God, I pray for believers here tonight. I pray that you would help them just to meditate upon the truth that has been given tonight. Lord, to recognize just the greatness of our Savior. Lord, I pray that we would never lose our sense of wonder. I pray that the things of God would never bore us, but I pray that they would excite us. And Lord, just, uh, Lord, just, uh, uh, Lord, Lord, just put within us a, a sense of awe and a sense of uh, just marveling at who you are. God, we thank you, Lord, that you are our counselor. Lord, we live in a world of lies. Lord, we live in a world where, Lord, there's so many voices coming from so many directions, God. And as believers in Christ, God, we can have clarity in the midst of confusion. We can have light in the midst of darkness in this world in which we live. God, I thank you that you truly are the mighty God. Lord, I thank you, Father, for your fatherly care for us, watching over us, caring for us, providing for us. And God, I pray, Lord, that as we lift up our voices and praise to you tonight, God, I pray that you be honored and glorified, Lord, in all we do. God, we love you, we praise you. We praise in Jesus' name.